Do you not know that you are temples of God's Spirit? Paul tells us. You are temples of God's Spirit. That means we're temples. He dwells in us. The reason the church exists is because we have the Spirit of God in us. The church is not this building. It's fine, but it's not really who the church is. The church is us. It's a living organism. It's alive. It's not dead. It's not sterile. It's full of life. And wherever the Spirit is, there is life. There is always something going on because the Spirit likes to turn things upside down. The Spirit does not like complacency. It does not like us to be static. But the Spirit is always moving in us so that we might truly be what God intends us to be in the world. He wants us to be leaven in the world. He wants us to bring hope to the world. It's all because of the Spirit. It's all because of the Spirit. So those of you who are receiving this great Spirit, thanks be to God. Thank you for saying yes to the Spirit. Live well this gift of the Spirit. This wonderful Spirit gives, of course, seven gifts. and They're all magnificent. They're all magnificent. You're going to need all seven, not just one or two of the gifts. You're going to need all seven throughout your life. So ask the Spirit that He might give those, spirit, those gifts to you in abundance, in abundance, because God is not stingy. God is not stingy. He gives and He gives always in abundance. God gives in abundance more than enough, more than enough. We should always rejoice that He gives more than enough for what we ask. So God will give you what you ask for out of his great love and goodness. So never be afraid to ask God for what you really need in life, whatever it is. He will respond to you and give it to you in great abundance. This gift is given through the bishop, through me. This is why I'm here this Sunday, uh, to give you the anointing that goes with this because it is anointing that we're talking about the very word Christ means the anointed one of God, as you well know. That's really important because Christ is this great title given to Jesus that tells us what he's all about. He's about anointing, anointing. He was anointed with the Spirit, and then he went out anointing others. And we are part of that. We have been anointed with the same Spirit that Jesus received on the day he was baptized. We receive the same Holy Spirit to go out and to do what he did, to announce good news to the poor, liberty to captive, sight to the blind, freedom to those who are incarcerated. He came to announce all of that and to do good things. So, so we who have received the Spirit are also entrusted to go out and to do the same thing. That's it. We're sent out. We're sent out to go into the world and to do what Christ did, which is a great mission. To be included in the mission of Christ and to go out into the world is extraordinary. That God would say to you, this is what I want you to do, to go out and to announce to the world what Christ came to do. This is why you're going to be anointed in just a few moments, just as our Lord Jesus Christ was anointed and went forth. 
So I'd like to spend the rest of the time talking about the readings because they're really powerful. So those of you who know all the answers to the questions about confirmation, you can relax. You don't have to worry about that anymore. There won't be any more questions asked. Christ the King. In the second reading today from Paul's letter to the Colossians, beautiful, one of the most magnificent compositions that Paul gives us. It's a beautiful, beautiful letter. He introduces it, he introduces the letter by talking about God the Father. Thanks be to God the Father, because he delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, through whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. That's the intro to this beautiful part of Colossians. He says he transferred us from the power of darkness and then he moved us into the kingdom of his beloved son through whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. That's extraordinary. He saved us. God the Father did. Through his son, he came to save us. And he has transferred us into his kingdom we were in the kingdom of darkness, of evil and sin. Now he's moved us over into a new kingdom. Then what does Paul do? The rest of the time, he now breaks out into song. He sings this wonderful hymn to Jesus Christ. It's one of the most ancient hymns we have in the church. We know it's a hymn because in the Greek, it's like a song. You don't hear it in the English, but in the Greek, it's a song. It's a beautiful song that sings the praises of Jesus. Jesus, for whom and through whom everything has been made. He is the center of all creation. If anything exists, Paul is saying, it's because Jesus desired it. So if anything exists in the world, and he talks about powers and principalities and all these things, things visible and invisible, anything that exists, it's because of the will of Jesus. And the Father completes it by creating it. Therefore, you and I who stand right here, who are here this morning, you've been desired by Jesus. He desired that you exist, and therefore you do exist. That's why you are now part of this creation. In the gospel today, Jesus now is coming to the end of his life. He's at the crucifixion. He's on the cross, and he's dying. And everybody that's there that has uh, any importance is sneering or jeering at him or criticizing him. He saved others. Let him save himself the rulers say. Let him save himself. The soldiers also. If he is indeed the Christ of God, let him come down from the cross. So they're all making fun of him. They're all making fun of him. And then, of course, the criminals that are there. This scene of the crucifixion is only found in the Gospel of Luke. It's not found in the other Gospels. 
this exchange that takes place between the criminals. The criminal that first of all says, save us. If you really are the Christ, save us. Please do it quickly. But the other one defends Christ. We're suffering because it's just that we should suffer because of our sins, our crimes. And then that little exchange that happens between Jesus and this criminal, who some call the good thief, though there's nothing mentioned about a thief there, he's just criminal. That's all that's said there. It doesn't really matter whether he was a thief or not, or we know he was a criminal. But what does matter is what he does say. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That is very important because Jesus promises him paradise. You will be with me today in paradise. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say you will be in heaven one day. <laughs> he doesn't say those words. You will be in heaven one day. No, no. He says you will be in paradise with me today. This very day you will be in paradise. That's extraordinary because that's a great promise and fulfillment that Jesus is making to him. And all because he simply said, remember me. Remember me. He doesn't even really say, forgive me for my sins. You may have noticed that also. He doesn't even say that. He just simply advocates to him, remember me. Remember me. It is, I think, very good for us to take note that probably the saddest thing that can happen to people, to persons, is that we be forgotten. I think that's one of the terrible things of our world today, that some people no longer feel as that they are appreciated or that they really are recognized or acknowledged. How many people are depressed because they do not believe they matter. What our Holy Father continues to bemoan about our time, a world that loves to discard things, discard people. That is to say, they're not worth anything, and so we can just eliminate them, move them aside. Remember me, Lord. Remember me. We should all take note of that little simple prayer. If you have nothing else to pray, pray the remember me prayer of this criminal. It is a powerful prayer. We should take its simplicity to heart and incorporate it maybe daily. Remember me, Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom because I want to belong to your kingdom. I want to be part of your kingdom. This king of ours, of course, is always at the cross. This is why we keep crucifixes in our Catholic churches to remind us that this king is one who is willing to suffer and die for us. He is majestic. He is regal. He is all-powerful but he does it from the cross, not like we would want even. A king that comes to crush his enemies or eliminate his foes, 
No. This king stands at the cross ready to embrace anyone who wishes to enter into his kingdom. As we celebrate this Eucharist, as we celebrate this great feast in honor of Christ the King, may we truly desire to be remembered by him who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig em.